Jesus, we welcome you here. Spirit, we welcome you here in this place. Father, we welcome your presence and your blessing amidst your people gathered this morning as we sing to you, as we praise and worship you. Let your presence overwhelm us. Infuse us with your spirit. Nourish us with your food and with your word this morning. That we might be empowered to live in your presence the rest of our lives. We worship you. And we thank you. You gladden us with your presence this morning. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Why don't you have a seat and watch the screens. All the options. The only thing it can't do is fly. No, I'm just licking. This one is way out of my price range. Oh, see, now there's your problem price range is really just a frame of mind. The facts are that you work hard. You deserve this. And God wants you to be happy. Yeah, appreciate your enthusiasm, but um, God never said that. know that a uh, new car salesman loses 30% of his value the second he leaves the lot? Yeah, true facts. Google it. <laughs> well, welcome to you this morning. We're starting off a new series, God Never Said That. We're going to be looking at some common cultural statements, some caricatures, if you will, of Christianity and of our faith that too often seem to come about. They seem to bubble to the top. You've heard them uh, here, there, and everywhere. And so whether it be the car salesman or a friend or a confidant, or maybe even you might have even said these phrases yourselves. You might look in the mirror and realize, ooh, I've said that before. Uh, we are going to take the time to, to look at and understand that maybe not everything we say, not everything we hear, is exactly what God says. So no offense to, to car salesmen, to your friend or confidant, or to you when you look in the mirror and say, ooh, I did that. But we are going to take the time to look over these next couple of weeks at some of these great phrases and statements that you inevitably will bump into as you go about your world, as you go about your life. This morning, the one that we are going to be focusing on is God wants you to be happy. Now, I'll be honest with you, this is a particularly difficult issue because we have to walk a real fine line here. You probably have met someone along, along your life that you've bumped into. Maybe you've said this yourself. You'll, you'll hear this phrase, oh, you know, life is good, and, and after all, God wants you to be happy, and that's just awesome, and oh, you're a Christian, that's great. I know God just wants you to be happy, and that's fantastic. Or, oh, you're not a Christian. You don't follow Jesus? Well, you should, because you should know, man, God, he just, he just wants you. Above all else, he wants you happy. He wants you to be happy. He wants what's best for your life. And so he wants you, of course, to always, always be in a perpetual state of happiness. That's what's implied. Well, if we go to God's word, 
we can find God does enjoy our happiness. In fact, if we go to God's word, we can find that in Psalm 97, God almost commands us, if you're a Christian and you follow Jesus, he almost commands us, he exhorts us to be happy, saying, uh, may all who are godly be happy. And when I hear that, when I see that, when I read that, I got to admit to you, I feel pretty good. In fact, I feel pretty happy. Right? Yeah, okay, enough of that. It took a lot of self-confidence. <laughs> I said, you're going to forget the rest of the sermon, but you're going to say to all your friends, you're not going to believe what my pastor did, right? Yeah, no, but you know, this is good. This is fantastic. God does say in his word, may all who are godly be happy. There is some great things about being a follower of Christ and knowing God delights in our happiness. God delights in our happiness. But here's the trouble. Here's the trick. Here's, here's where it gets sticky, if you will. When we say or when we hear God wants you to be happy, what is inevitably implied are these three little words that completely change the meaning and the understanding and the belief. Above all else, God wants you to be happy. I mean, above everything else, whatever's going on in life and everything that God wants you, you know, above all else, after all, God, he just wants you to be happy. Above all else, God wants you to be happy. And those three little words make a huge difference. And that's what's implied, is it not? I mean, you've heard this before, haven't you? Come on, you've seen this on late night televangelists and stuff. You've bumped into your friend. You might have even said this yourself. What's implied is that above everything else, after all, God wants you happy. And what that does is it creates a, a new foundation for our understanding of God. It, it redefines our theology. Theology is the study of God, right? And so what this does is it creates a theology of happiness. Your understanding of God, your, 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 the way that you know and relate to God, stems from this underlying foundation of happiness. And this is, this is the way it plays out. This is why it's dangerous. Frankly, this is why it's dangerous. It plays out like this. You begin to hear and think this in a theology of happiness. If God above all else wants you to be happy, that whatever makes me happy, well, that must be right. It must be good. And whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. And all of a sudden, we've attached morals in, in a moralistic scale to our happiness. And then he even goes farther. And if God wants, if above all else, God wants us to be happy, then discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, the stuff that comes against us, the hard choices we have to make, the obstacles, the inconveniences, can't be God's will. This is why you see in the grocery store parking lot, when you drive up and someone takes that spot right in front of you, you lean out the window and you say, Get behind me, Satan! told me you've never actually seen that. But you know what? You get what I'm saying. You've thought it, right? Because that's the theology of happiness. That's the theology of happiness. Ultimately, this is where the theology of happiness leads. That without knowing it, that without realizing it, 
we begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, materialism, the things that the world tells us makes us happy. We begin to worship and enjoy because they make us happy. We put more and more stock, more and more value, more and more of ourselves and our lives invested into these other things, things like comfort and security and money. And, and, and when you go shopping, you feel so happy, and so you begin to love shopping and you value shopping, and all of a sudden you are worshiping the experience of shopping and you're caught in the trap of materialism. If you live on the North Shore, if you're from our, this area and you're not... You, this is something we are susceptible to. Just be blatant. We struggle with this. We struggle with this. That too often we end up worshiping the false gods of comfort, money, the false gods that make us happy. So the theology of happiness really looks like this. If above all else, God wants us happy, then God now exists. This is what happens. God now exists to make us happy rather than us existing to make him happy. And so we treat God like a, a divine Coke machine. I was prepping for this sermon. I heard this illustration. I thought it was too good to pass up because it's so true. When you walk up to the Coke machine, you walk up to the Coke machine, you pull out your dollar bill, you put your dollar bill in the Coke machine, you hit the button for a cherry Coke because you want a cherry Coke, and bloop, out pops the cherry Coke, right? Because you put your dollar bill in, so you should get the cherry Coke. And if you get Sprite instead of cherry Coke, you're angry. Yeah, you're mad, right? And you're kicking the thing saying, come on, man, really? Because you put your dollar bill in, and you expect to be happy. We do this with God. Seriously, we do this with God. We say, God, I went to church this week. Now make me happy. We do this, seriously. God, I prayed this week, not once, twice. So God, make me happy. Give me the raise that I wanted, God. I prayed twice. God, I went, I went to a small group this week. I took the step. I joined a small group. I went this one time to a small group. So now you should fix my kids and make me happy. We actually do that. We treat God like this divine Coke machine. That, that God, I helped the little old lady cross the street. Not once, but, but even twice because she was doing the, you know, over thing. And so, God, I helped her all the way across the street. And so, God, you should now make me happy. Because after all, don't you want me to be happy? Isn't your job above all else to make me happy, God? And I'm, I'm you know, come on, God, we're wheeling and dealing here. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Whatever rules, whatever regulations, whatever it is that you say that I'm supposed to do, I'm doing it, right? So come on and make me happy. Because after all, above all else, God wants me to be happy. This is particularly challenging when you are not happy. You experienced that? Let's see. Uh, who has been in a perpetual state of happiness since birth? Yeah, we got one hand. Wow. Teach me your ways. I will come and sit at your feet. 
Yeah, I know. We all experience moments and times in our life when we are discouraged, we're faced with tough decisions, we are, we're unhappy. Something happens. Something happens and we're unhappy and, and, and we look at God and say, God, what the heck, WTF, I'm supposed to be happy. It's your job to make me happy because above all else, you want me happy, right, God? And now I'm not happy. Who's to blame? We begin to blame God. If God, you want me to be happy and I'm not happy, then God, you have failed me. Because you're supposed to make me happy. People who think this and, and travel down this theology of happiness, uh, it's really sad because when you reach this point where you begin to blame God, it's one of those things that can push people away from God and the church. This is why it's so important that we look at these things. Here's something you should know, and this is something I knew before becoming a pastor. You probably know this too. Bad theology hurts people. Let me say that again. Bad theology, it hurts people. And someone who arrives at this sort of theology because we're careless one day and we, you know, we, we say, well, you know, God wants you to be happy after all, you know, above all else. Doesn't he? God wants you to be happy, man. And we don't walk alongside that person and get them to rightly understand and they arrive at this dangerous and this damaging theology, what they do is they end up blaming God, they blame the church, they look at themselves and think they themselves are a failure, and they walk away. They wash their hands of the whole God thing. And they end up hurting even more as they distance themselves from their Heavenly Father. Bad theology, it does. It hurts people. Here's good news. Uh, God never said that. God never said that. Above all else, he wants you happy. In fact, this might be hard to hear, but in fact, God does not want you happy all the time. There are times and experiences in your life where God actually doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want you to always be happy because sometimes in our happiness, we do silly or foolish things. Let me, let me lead you through two. Sometimes God does not want us happy. God doesn't want us happy when it causes us, when it causes you to do something foolish or wrong or unwise. Foolish or wrong or unwise, and you all know this. Uh, let me, uh, here you go. Here's a good example. Um, Parents will connect with this really well. Um, your kid, you got a son, and he's the star of the basketball team, right? He's the star of the basketball team, and, and it's a big game. It's in the playoffs. It's high school basketball. People are jazzed, and he's having a great game, but guess what? You're down by one point, and he's got the ball, and he's running down the court, and you're nervous, and you see the clock ticking, and it's ticking, and it's ticking, and there's five seconds left, and he does the right and the left thing, and the guy's left behind, and he shoots, and he scores. The place goes wild. It's just awesome, and you look at your son, and he's so happy. He's jumping up and down. And, and come on, as a parent, you're happy, right? I mean, you delight as a parent, you delight in the happiness of your child. Same thing with God. God delights in the happiness of his child. Make no mistake. The, the parent is excited 
for the child. And the child's jumping around. He's, he's going over, and he gives you the big hug because the first thing he does is he comes up to mom and hugs her, right? Okay. And then he runs over to his bench, and he's giving high fives to all the guys. And then, and then, and then he's giving a high five to coach. And then he runs over to the, the other team's bench, and he flips them the bird. Ooh. Now, parents, are you still happy? No. No, you're not. Because sometimes when we are happy, we in our happiness, in our exuberance, can make foolish or unwise or silly or just flat out wrong decisions. You're more concerned with the well-being and the character and the integrity of your son in that moment than his happiness, are you not? You are concerned for the holistic well-being of your child, and you can see as a parent that, that, that this child, by, by, yes, we are thrilled by their happiness, and yet we understand that there's more to this child than simply making the child happy. There are things of character, there are things of, of integrity that are far more important than momentary happiness. Sometimes when we are happy, we are more susceptible to doing foolish or silly or stupid things. Just the way it is. Cheating on your taxes. You might be really happy about that extra cash. You could buy that big screen TV. But it's a wrong and unwise decision that's going against your holistic being, your character. Premarital sex. Feels good, makes you happy. But you have to deal with the ramifications. It's an unwise and wrong decision because long term it introduces into your lives questions of shame and, and pain and hurt and your relationships and it, it disrupts things. Addictions, it's true of addictions. Addictions, they can make you feel good, you can feel happy. But inevitably, it introduces pain and hurt and destruction into your life. So we have to guard our happiness in a way that doesn't lead us into wrong or unwise decisions. First uh, Peter talks about this. Just as he who has called you, just as God who has, has called you, has spoken to you, who wants to be a part of your life, just as God is holy, so be holy in all you do. Live a life that is upstanding, that is right and respectable, a life that reflects the character and integrity that God desires for you. Thank goodness parents don't just care for their child's happiness. They care for the whole child. All of the child. Same thing with God. Okay, here's the second example for you. God does not want you happy. God does not want you happy when it is only based on the things of this world. Uh, that's, that's a kind of a Christianese way of saying it, a Christian way. If you're not a Christian, you, you might have heard Christians say this. We say, things of this world. We say that all the time. And what we mean by that is the stuff that you and I bump into every day, stuff that is disconnected. It's not part of the whole heavenly realms and, and God and the Spirit. It's just kind of things of this world. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. This will make sense to you. Um, you should know that, that even... I, 
I am susceptible to this theology of happiness too. And as I was preparing and writing this sermon, I actually had to face that I was experiencing some discouragement in theology. I was struggling with this. I was struggling with this. Uh, me and my wife are really excited about being here at Christ Church. We want to be here a long time. We want to be here. And so we got together and we said, you know, it's time that we start looking for a house. And so we're very excited. We have a place that has uh, under contract. We went into contract about a month ago. Everything has been fantastic. The, 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 uh, the, what's the guy? The guy comes in. What am I thinking of? Thank you. The inspection. See, you all know this. The inspection, right, went great. The inspection went great. Uh, all the paperwork's been really good so far. Uh, everything's been going real smooth, no problems. Love our, our realtor. has been fantastic. She's a member here. She's just been holding our hands as we're like, okay, whatever you want us to do, we'll do it. So it's just been great, right? Earlier this week, though, I had an unhappy experience. I had an unhappy experience. About halfway through the week, I got an email the day before a very important paper was due that needed my signature saying, uh, we need a whole bunch more information from you. And it won't be processed for another 48 hours. Which means you will miss the deadline. And all of a sudden, the house that we had under contract was at jeopardy. We might lose it. But I was not very happy about this. And, and, and at, first, you're, at first, the instinct is to say, come on, God, why, why, right? Then you get over yourself. <laughs> And you realize, and I began to realize as I looked at myself in the mirror, and as I'm preparing for this sermon, I said, you know what? I have put too much value and worth in this house. I have invested too much of my values, too much of my emotions, too much of my thoughts, too much of myself in this house. I, I have succumbed, I have made the error of investing too much of me in something of this world that isn't going to last. It's not going to be here forever. And yet I, I've invested my emotions and I'm, keep, I'm staying up at night about these things. And, and I realize, my gosh, have you forgotten where Jesus walks up to his disciples and says, Hey, leave your house, come follow me. I've come to, 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 to take you out of your home so that you can learn from me and grow from me. <laughs> and I had a real moment of authentic confession where I had to come to God and say, Wow, God, look, I'm sorry. I've become too attached to something of this world. I've given too much value to it. And it has too much power over me. And I don't want my life to be like that. I want you, God. I want you, Jesus. I want you, Spirit, to be that in which I invest my life, my emotions, my thoughts, my money and resources, my marriage, my, my future. I want to invest all that I am in you, not something of this world. Check out 1 John 2. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father, it just isn't in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, it doesn't come from God the Father, but it comes from the world. And the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. You see, there is sometimes, there are points in our lives where God actually doesn't want us to be happy. 
because that happiness can drive us from being close to him. Sometimes in our happiness, we can leave the one who brings us so much more than simply happiness. And that's true. God actually wants more for you than simply for you to be happy. He wants more than just your happiness. God wants you to be blessed. This is a far more powerful and meaningful word than happy. Blessed, far more powerful, far more meaningful. If you've ever had an experience of true blessing, deep and meaningful blessing in your life, you know that sometimes blessings come in the most unhappy of circumstances when you are totally not happy and God shows up in this incredible, amazing, spectacular way and says, I love you, you're mine, I got plans for you, I got a future for you, let me bless you and come alongside you. Even though everything around you is unhappy, I am your God, let me bless you. And be a part of your life. There are a lot of different passages in the Bible that talk about blessings, that talk about pursuing a relationship with our Father more than more than pursuing things of this world, things of the happiness. More than pursuing happiness, we pursue Christ. Let me say more than pursuing happiness, we pursue Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God, all these things shall be added unto you. When you get in line with what God wants for you in your life, you will find that God will change what makes you happy. Did you know that? God actually can affect what makes you happy. You can invite that. Something I started praying a long time ago uh, was, Lord, let the desires of my heart be changed. Got to use the word change. It's uncomfortable for us, but we do it. Let it be changed to reflect your desires. And he'll do it. He'll change your heart. Change what makes you happy. There's a specific verse, though, a couple verses that I want to talk to you about briefly, where Jesus himself talks about blessings. Jesus gets his, his disciples together, and he goes up to a mountain. They all sit down. And he looks at him. He says, look, I'm going to tell you something. The world tells you all this stuff makes you happy. The world says all this stuff is what you need to spend your time, your money, your, your, your life on. Let me tell you something. No. That's what the world says. Let me tell you something. Then he began to speak and he taught them saying, this is Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are those who are persecuted, who experience suffering, who are made fun of, where life sucks for you because you are choosing to be righteous. You are choosing to stay true to who God has called you and made you to be despite the circumstances you find yourself in, that you are remaining true to me as Christ and Lord as your life and my word and what I have planted in you. Blessed 
are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God wants you to be more than just simply happy. He wants you to be blessed, to see him, to be a part of his kingdom, to know him and to be a part of what he is doing in this world. And when you do that, when you enter into the blessings he has for you, you might find there's some happiness to be experienced. I had started with Psalm 97, 12. May all who are godly be happy. That was the very first scripture I showed you. I didn't show you the back half. Let's read together the whole thing. Ready? Here we go. May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise his holy name. That's correct. We are happy in the Lord when we are in sync with who he is and who he wants us to be, when we are blessed by his presence, blessed by his activity in our lives, we find our happiness not in the things of this world, but in the Lord. I'm asking that as you go about your week, you consider and think on this. Take the further study with you. As you go out the CC Connect, there are more questions and things to think on related to this. God does not want you to pursue happiness. Don't chase down happiness. Not worth it. I'll tell you what is worth it. Pursuing him. Chase down Jesus Christ. That, that's worth it. Let's pray together. Holy and eternal Father, we thank you that you would choose to bless us this morning with your word, that you would uh, forgive us for the times when we fail and, and slip into a theology of happiness. We ask and invoke your name that you would protect us from those thoughts and from being people who perpetuate that thinking. Instead, draw us to be people who pursue you and your kingdom, who pursue your character and the character you desire in us. Help us take our happiness in us. Change that which makes us happy to reflect and be that which makes you happy. That we might exist to make you, our Lord and our God, happy. We pray this, Jesus, in your precious, your holy name. Amen.